You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Wonderful to be with you this morning. And uh, that's good. I'm, I'm always excited to get amongst God's people that genuinely love Him. But sometimes there's a something a little extra. And uh, I guess it's the way I'm wired. But I love seeing the birth of something significant in God and to feel the sense and get understand what I mean by this, but the pregnancy. And when I was praying for coming here, I was asking the Lord, just what do you want me to say? The, the feeling that I got above any other was the birthing of a whole new era was coming to the life of this local church. And I felt a tremendous sense of expectation. It was like the pregnancy of a person, of a woman just uh, who had given the hard yards of labor. And uh, uh, I don't know what that's like, of course. Uh, um, but my wife tells me, uh, and um, and my daughter, etc. Um, and uh, but I know this: that when the birth comes, when the baby arrives, who cares about the nine months? <laughs> well, you do, but you know what I mean. In comparison, and so I began to ask the Lord, well, why was I feeling this way? And the Lord gave me a couple of words which um, I want to unfold. I talked about one last night with the uh, eldership team, um, the word transition. I believe this church has been in transition. And whenever I see that, I realize that it's always for purpose. A transition isn't a state of being. A transition is something that takes you from one state of being to another. And so um, God always has great purpose in transition. A lot of people misunderstand it. Um, But this morning I just want to briefly touch on it and then I want to talk about the birthing of a new era because I'm very, very excited about the next decade or two in the life of this church. And uh, someone has said, well, why does it take so long to birth sometimes. Well, because if you take a look at Scripture, you will find that the duration of the preparation often determines the greatness of the commission. And it is only in the times of transition that God tries the hearts of men and women. Everybody loves a winner when they are a winner. But you see, Father knows that the greatness of that which he has called you to in the years that lie ahead, uh, and I I fear God too much in a a loving way uh, for me to misrepresent him in any way whatsoever. I can, I can confidently say that as Father pulled back the veil and let me see three, four, five, seven years from now, I believe that you will be utterly astounded, and I'm not, I'm not using an exaggerative term, you will be astounded at what explodes out of this body of people. 
And you say, well, I'm not, how can that be? You know, um, uh, things, I don't know. I don't, see, I don't know anything about your church because my son Steve, who has been here, uh, has, never speaks to me about any church he goes to, and I don't speak to him about it because we might end up being back in the church. It's an integrity issue. So I came into this church completely uh, with a blank sheet of paper uh, with the eldership last night. But I know this. I know this, that the, uh, like you take a look at Jonah. Jonah was three days in the belly of a whale to prepare him. And yet Moses was 40 years in the desert to prepare him. And I say, well, Lord, that hardly seems fair, <laughs> you know. And, and you do. You look at some churches and you, they kind of have, they have the short little preparation time and then, boom, everyone goes beautifully. Uh, uh, then others go through a preparation time and it seems so much longer. And the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly and he said, yeah, but, but I was preparing Jonah for a city. I was preparing Moses for a nation. And you see, friends, the, the degree of unity that you have now and have had has been great. But the degree of unity that you need in order to possess your future is greater still. And so Father allows the times, Father allows the times of winter and Father allows the times of challenge, the Hebrews 12 shaking of anything that can be shaken. Why? So that it can reveal the true hearts of men and women. He can reveal those who will stay with the staff. He will reveal those who can stand strong, those who will weather the storm and stay true in heart. And you'll find those who can't run that kind of a race. And friends, let me tell you of a surety now that you are right on target. And I would not, I fear God too much, but let me tell you that what I felt when I was in prayer in Melbourne for this church, I came not, not to try and help a church that was struggling. I came to declare over you that you are birthing something highly significant, but the pain of the travail sometimes can cloud the, what it's really all about. And we lose sight of the fact that God is birthing something. You see, friends, I was going through a difficult time last year. I was in and out of hospital four times, and everybody thought I was just about finished. And one or two, in a nice, gracious way, of course, pretty well conveyed that. And, um, I, I, um, I, you know, everybody wrote me off the planet. Um, in fact, I remember waking up one morning uh, in a hospital. Obviously, they didn't know I was, I'd come to. I'd been passed out the night before and they'd been working on me. And um, I heard the doctor, I heard the doctor speaking, I think it was to Steve or Margaret, and says, have you any idea how hard it is to kill this man? <laughs> and, and, and he says, the man should not be alive. And, and uh, so do I look dead to you? No. Now, I'm enjoying the best, best time of my life right now, actually. And I have found invariably, I've this, now, this year completes 50 years of preaching. Uh, I've been in the ministry now 50 years. And I have seen my life go in definite cycles, the seasons of the Lord. 
And I have seen the times when we planted a local church, then we went through betrayal, then we went through that, and then we had this increase and then that. This, that. I've seen the seasons of the Lord a few times around. And so I grow to recognize them. And I walked in, without knowing it, I've walked into a church that has been in a season. And let me tell you about the season. And I'm going to pray and get into this. I was going to prophesy over a whole bunch of people and that stuff, but I don't feel, I just don't feel released to do that. I, I did last night. Uh, just about everybody in the room received a word. But, but I, I just feel so, to use the term yet again, um, I feel so pregnant about what Father wants to say to you as a collective body this morning. And I really want to give my time to that. But I was going through that last year and someone used the word winter <laughs> and said, man, you're in some winter. And the father just spoke quietly to me and said, yeah, but, but winter is not the cancellation of autumn. It's the preparation for spring. And I, I came to a dark place at one stage last year, but I can honestly tell you this. The greatest years of my life now lie ahead. The doors that have opened internationally for us, and I say this, um, giving the honor to the Lord, but the doors that have opened for us globally now uh, could never have been imagined a year ago. It's just utterly extraordinary. But friends, that's, I've recognized the seasons. The tragedy is, the tragedy is when we don't recognize the season. And in the very season that God gives to qualify us internally to be able to carry the level of authority and significance that he has already purposed for us, that very season which is to prepare the largeness within us sometimes can be the very thing that causes us to abort the process prematurely. And that's a tragedy. You see, friends, between the incredible heights achievable yesterday and the far greater heights achievable tomorrow, there's a transition called the valley. But, in, but it's in that valley that all that we need to achieve the greater heights is accomplished if we, if we stay with the stuff, if we stay with the program. If we, uh, and if we allow God to do within us that which he has purposed that season for, that winter is not the cancellation of autumn. It's the birthing of spring. Father, we thank you, Lord, that this day is no accident. It hasn't taken you by surprise. Father, you've been planning it for a long time. And so, Father, we ask now that our wonderful friend, the Holy Spirit, will just... Speak to every single individual heart in a way, Father, that conveys your heart for them. So, Father, we give you alone the honor for that which is your word in Jesus' name. Amen. A new era. Well, what does that mean? Well, a new era is very different to a new season or a new chapter. Um, let me tell you what the dictionary says about a new era. 
is a period of time marked by distinctive character or event, an event forming the beginning of a distinctive period. Let me tell you what it means. It means that like when we, the discovery of steam for, for power was the beginning of a new era. But why? Because the whole world changed after that. Nothing was quite the same after that. Okay, uh, the, the first ever printing press the, uh, in, in Gutenberg, 1840-something in Germany. Now, that, that, it was just a machine, just one little machine. But it was the beginning of a whole new era. Why? Because the world was never the same again after that. Uh, um, 1914 was the first world war. It was a war. How many wars have we had? But it was the beginning of an era. Why? Because the whole world changed after that. If I was to mention the word or phrase 9-11, how many would know what I mean? Instantly you know what I mean. Why? It was just an event, but it was an event that changed everything that came after it. You see, uh, the birthing of a new era is not just another season. It, uh, the birthing of a new era is something of such significance that it changes Everything that comes after it. And I felt the Lord say to me that 2017 begins the birthing of a whole new era in the life of this local church. And can I say this, that um, I said stuff last night to the eldership, and I'm not going to repeat all that now. There's quite a lot there. But, but can I just say, Marty and Margot, that the... And I know what they do with prophets whose words don't come to pass. It's ugly. <laughs> they stone them in the car park or something, you know. Um, but, but I want to say to you that, that the next three months in your life isn't just about a holiday. I mean, I didn't know they were thinking of a break or anything like that I, they, they didn't tell me anything I just walked into the time last night and the first thing I find it, when I was praying uh, and, and I looked across at Marty and Margot and the first thing I see is them heading off to a meeting but ending up on the wharf of a cruise ship and the Lord said they've got to have some time out a time aside and it's going to be so significant and da 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 well it obviously witnessed <laughs> Uh, um, but I, I want you to know that that's been orchestrated by the Lord. Uh, and uh, the first, I want to say this to you, for the first couple of months, you ought to do absolutely zero, nothing, but live it up, love it up, and have a ball. Um, and when you can no longer think about anything or anybody, um, uh, and you're just, you know, almost feeling guilty about how totally free you feel, fantastic, uh, um, in the last two or three weeks, without any need for you to start it, the Holy Spirit will start the whispers of heaven. And the apostolic era, I know the training's been a long time, but the apostolic era that God has had in mind for you for decades will start to come to pass. And there'll be a birthing of an era that will flow over on this house and will release the ministries of this house in such a level that all the years of plowing and sowing and persevering will suddenly, suddenly be worth it. Suddenly it's going to be, wow. I, I, I will go on record as saying that the next three or four years of your life is going to be like one 
incredible discovery after another. And that pastors and leaders in, and business leaders, not of this church, but of many churches, will benefit from that which God does in you in the next few months. It's going to be quite a remarkable thing. Remarkable thing. And the ministries of this house will grow and prosper and blossom. You're birthing a whole new era. Why? Because God found you faithful. Because God saw that you not only rejoiced in the good times, but you stuck with the stuff in the hard times. And God knows the hearts of those he can trust. Um, I want to say this, that there are things that are necessary for the birthing of a new era. And the first thing that comes to mind is that it's a willingness and a desire for change. If you don't have a willingness and desire for change, then you'll never birth anything fresh and new. Now, from now on, I really want to talk to you as an individual. I want to talk about your personal life. I want to talk to you about your marriage, about your finances, about your vocation, about your ministry, as well as to the collective church. And so a willingness and a desire for change. And we have to be willing to ask questions like, what are we going to discard and what are we going to embrace? And a cry for change. Uh, um, God, all all um, new eras or, or, or something fresh and new and powerful in God always starts with a change of thinking. We've got to unlock our thinking from the from the confines of yesterday's experience and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe His fresh imaginations into our heart. Are we willing to surrender our thinking? Are we willing to surrender the way that we think about ourselves? about each other and about our future and friends that's very very necessary we're gonna have to come to a place where we daily awake to anticipate God's favor you see do you will need a revelation of who we really are do you know that you're not like a daughter to him you're not like a son to him you are his son you are his daughter. Do you wake up in the morning with the anticipation of Father's smile? Do you wake up in the morning knowing who you really are? The Bible says you're begotten of his incorruptible seed. What does that mean? It means he's actually your father. He's not the father. He's mine. He's mine. And I, I wake up in the mornings with such an anticipation. And I, I'm going to be 70 next year, but I'm anticipating the best couple of decades of my entire life. And, and, and why? Because of my intimacy with my father allows him to breathe into me things which, which are, are so different to yesterday, but I'm hungry for change. I'm hungry for enlargement. I'm hungry for all that my father has. I don't believe when God stirs a nest, he stirs it so people can become negative or critical. God stirs a nest to increase our hunger. But it always reveals those that will become critical and those that will become hungry. Okay. Now, the second thing is a willingness to let go of unresolved issues. Friends, the fact of the matter is that unless we let go of yesterday, we'll never embrace tomorrow. And some things in life we will never get resolved. Just settle it. Well, I'd like to get justice on this. Forget it. You won't. I've lived too long. Okay, and I have realized that some things you will never, ever get justice on. Just take it to the cross and let it 
go. Uh, well, well, yeah, but unless... No, no, just take it to the cross and let it go. But you don't know what they... No, just take it to the cross and let it go. Because the, the pain of yesterday can either empower you to help others in pain tomorrow or the pain of yesterday can anchor you to yesterday and end up being a root of bitterness. You have to let go yesterday or you'll never embrace tomorrow. Um, and so a willingness to let go of the unresolved issues. Uh, the next one would be a desire to possess new territory, new territory, not, not just an expansion of the old, but new territory, a desire for a, a new wineskin with increased capacity. The fact of the matter is, friends, that you can't put 10 litres of wine into a wineskin designed to take 5 litres. You can't do that. So it means that God has to enlarge us. God has to enlarge us individually. God has to enlarge our environment. God has to enlarge. We have to make way for increased capacity from God. It all starts with our thinking. God wants to take our thinking to a new level. Um, and, you, and it never get too old for that. Um, I, I believe, and I'm throwing these out rather quickly because of something I really need to get into, but the fact of the matter is unless we have this hunger for change, unless we rediscover the spirit of a pioneer, unless we have a spirit of conquest, we settle into the spirit of survival and, and it ekes into our soul so that our Christianity and our walk with God becomes this, this, this obligation, this predictable a, a, a cycle that we get on from one Sunday to the other. And I want to say to you, God wants to break all of that. God wants you to wake up in the morning with a buzz, with an excitement. My father's in charge of this day. My God is ordering my steps. I have a hunger. I have an anticipation. And if you don't begin to think that way, you have to start confessing that way. You say, well, I don't actually feel that. Well, let's start saying it. You say, that's hypocritical. No, no, that's Bible. You have whatsoever you say, Jesus said. You, you get what you say. And people's mouths create their tomorrow. I get up in the morning and I don't care how I feel on a Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And I don't care how I feel Friday night at 10.30. I don't care how I feel. I am my father's son. And because I am my father's son and he is my father indeed, then I have an excitement about that day. I wake up every single day of my life and the first intelligible words off my lips is, Morning, Father. I love you so much. I love you, Jesus, my King. I love you, Holy Spirit, my friend. We are going to have an incredible day today. Now, now uh, my body might be screaming and, and, and the adversary might be sharing his lies and some uh, misguided saint might be trying to get in my left ear. But I tell you what, I don't care. As first things I put my lips into is declaring the truth. Thank you, Father. I love you with all my heart. This is going to be a great day. Why? Because you are my Father and you're ordering my steps. You're getting what I'm saying here. Because you'll never birth a new era. You'll never ever birth a new era in your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, or your ministry until your mouth begins to confess the reality before you see it. 
new vision, new strategy, new people, new alliances. Uh, I spoke a little bit about that last night with the leadership, new alliances. I believe God's going to bring new alliances to bear, new apostolic connections to bear. Um, that will uh, be a strength to you in the future years that lie ahead. And I guess that the last thing I'd mention before reading that scripture is that we have to have a passion to pursue the objective with unstoppable momentum and deep resolve. Now, now that's not just terminology. Unstoppable momentum and deep resolve. They go together. They go together. Friends, do you know, I don't know how long any one of you have been in this church. Some of you might have been in this church only a few weeks. Others may have been in this church for, for many, many years. I don't know. But I know this, that as I look around me and I see some of the ages of different people right through the ranks, I know some of you have had moments when you've had to dig in, tie a knot in a rope, and get some deep resolve. It hasn't always been easy. Or is that just me? Okay, and so, friends, before you start a race, you have to settle it. I used to run long distance, believe it or not. And before you start that race, you have got to settle it in your heart. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to finish it too. And the resolve that comes into your spirit holds you on target when the going gets rough. So deep, deep resolve. Now, I want to give you a scripture that I felt God, by the way, I... Am I okay for time? Yeah. Is everybody alive and well? Turn to someone and say, boy, you look wide awake this morning. I want you to turn to, with me um, to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. In fact, they... I don't know where that came through for this. Aha. Okay, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 will be on the screen. That's great. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness, and I'll make rivers in the desert. Uh, Great scripture, but misunderstood. I want you to notice, first of all, it says a new thing now. A new thing now. In other words, don't put it off. Don't, don't say, yeah, well, maybe, maybe one day, one day, someday, who knows. No, 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 it's now. It's now. Don't put it off to the future. It's now. If God has spoken it, it's now. If God wants your life to take a, a surge forward, it's now. If God wants to put a new uh, boost into your marriage or your family, it's now. If God's saying about taking new territory financially, it's now. I want you to know that it's now. Never ever put off to tomorrow what God bursts in your spirit to do today. It's now. Okay. And have a look now. The objective is twofold. Very, very important that it's a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert now friends a road in the wilderness let's take that phrase why do you have a road i mean do you wake up one morning and say oh need a hobby need a hobby need a hobby i'll tell you what let's order some asphalt i'm gonna build me a road you just don't do it you the only reason anybody ever builds a road is because of a destination 
The destination determines the road. There's got to be a compelling reason to get there. And so when he says, I'll make a road in the wilderness, he's talking actually about taking you there, about a strategy, about plans and purposes and strategies that will carry you to his destination. And so he wants to birth strategies. He wants to birth a new plan. He wants to birth a vehicle through which he can achieve the potential of tomorrow. And I want you now to take a look. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, write the vision and make it very plain so uh, that anyone who reads it can run with it. And friends, there's got to be a clarity. And I believe what the next uh, six months is all about, I'll dare declare it, I believe the next six months has been set aside on the calendar of God to make clear the new era that is being birthed. I believe that God is going to be speaking things. I believe it's going to be a time of absolute revelation. This time of Marty and Margot, you're getting aside uh, and, and just refreshing number one and then being available for God uh, is so critical because he's going to birth it through the apostolic grace on the house. And so uh, I believe that God's going to say some quite remarkable things, in fact. And it says here, make it plain that you can run with it. I've, one thing I've learnt over the years is that you'll never have, you'll never gain the objective unless you pursue the objective. But you'll never pursue the objective unless you have a deep commitment to pursue. But you'll never have the commitment necessary unless it's birthed out of passion. Not obligation, passion. But passion comes out of clarity of vision. And clarity of vision comes out of having heard a word. You see, you cannot obey what you have not heard. Why does God orchestrate seasons in our lives when he takes us aside and takes us out of the environment and, be, and walks in the garden with us? Why? Because he knows, he knows friends, that, that unless we hear clearly, we can't act boldly. And something about the next six months is all about hearing clearly, hearing clearly because of the initiatives that's going to be birthed over the next few months, next six months or so, in the 2017 are going to explode the potential that's always been here but, but all the seeds are going to germinate and the fruit is going to be taken in. And I'm, I'm not trying to be nice to you, Marty. I'm saying now that God's been watching people in this congregation for the last two or three years and have been positioning and, and, and moving things around because he knows what he's about to birth. And it's incredibly significant. Um, and so now I want to just want to mention this. Where's the road to go? This is one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. I'll make a road in the wilderness. And everybody initially thinks, oh, yeah, goodness me, yeah, the wilderness. Oh, brother, you know, um, that must mean Moses in the wilderness. No, we're going to get to that in a moment. But no, the word wilderness there is the Hebrew word midbar. It's a, it's a great word. And, and here's what it literally means, translated from the original. Here's what it says. A vast open field where cattle are driven. That's what it literally means. Uh, the original thought was that of a drover of cattle looking for fresh territory where cattle could graze 
and suddenly discovering this uninhabited vast plains of, of beautiful grassland and, and uh, wow, it was this undiscovered wilderness. It's, it has no thought of dryness. This word midbar has no thought. If you used it in the original context in the Hebrew when this was written and you say, oh, oh so-and-so discovered a wilderness, nobody would think desert. Midbar. Oh, really awesome. You know, and immediately their minds would think of open grazing fields and, and streams and rivers and trees. That's what they would come to their mind. And that's exactly how the word was written. I'll make a road in the wilderness. It's got nothing to do with dryness. It's quite the opposite. A road in the wilderness is actually speaking of blazing a trail through vast tracts of previously undiscovered pasture land. A, a land which is, is so filled with, 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 uh, uh, with grass and trees and, and everything else in it that, that not only can the cattle graze there, but the settlers can come in and the settlers can begin to build there and there's an anticipation of what could be accomplished in that place. And this is what he's actually talking about. And the next few months is all about showing you the strategies of heaven that will bring you into a midbar, a territory that's previously been undiscovered, things that have not been on the radar, new territory, expansive new territory. Do you know that when they discovered America and they settled on the East Coast, you've all seen the movies, uh, they got in covered wagons and they, what did they, they, they went westward, you know, and some of them kept diaries. And it's, and it's interesting that in those diaries they would say, oh, we came over the brow of this hill. And suddenly we saw this huge, great, untamed wilderness. And they weren't talking about the desert. They, they were talking about, wow, this is a place we can settle. This is something awesome. And so he's going to bring, give you the strategies of heaven that's going to take you into new territory. And then he said, I'll give you rivers in the desert. Now, the word desert there is a very different word altogether. It actually means what it says. It's a desolate place. It's a lonely place. It's a solitary place. It's, it's, yeah, it's dry desert. That's what it is. That's what the word means. And he says, I'll, I'll actually give you rivers in the desert. Uh, um, and I would like to challenge any of you that feel that you've been through a season of dryness, season of desert. I know I did... Last year, I preached four weekends out of ten months. Uh, 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 for much of that time, five to six months of that time, uh, I couldn't even have a conversation with somebody other than my wife without me breaking out in the most shocking uh, physical reactions and stuff like that. And as I say, in hospital four times, it sure as eggs did feel something like a desert. And so... But what, what do you see in your desert? Do you know that your desert changes when you see it differently? I, I remember when I realized that my God was still ordering my steps and therefore there was something of, a, there was rivers in my desert if I wanted to look for my rivers. And, and let me change your perception of the desert. I'm not belittling your desert. 
I'm not suggesting you haven't experienced that. I'm saying that what do you see in it? Do you know that the greatest leader of mankind the world had ever seen up to that time, Moses, where did he get his commission? In the desert. In the desert. Uh, John the Baptist came heralding the Messiah, a whole change of history, but where did he come doing that? In the desert. In the desert. Uh, Jesus ended 4,000 years of satanic rule of the earth, but where did he do it? In the desert. You say, oh, no, he did it on the cross. Uh-uh. Jesus did not gain authority over the planet on the cross. He gained authority over the planet in the wilderness, and then as rightful king reestablished, he executed it on the cross. He was the king on the cross. And friends, what I find is this, that what the enemy means to take us out, what the enemy is designed to destroy us, the desert, actually becomes a place where the new commission is born, the birthing of a new era takes place, and the launching of a new ministry is established. And friends, uh, that if our steps are being ordered by the Lord, then not only have your mountaintops being ordered by God, but your deserts have as well. And the, sure, the enemy would like to use them. But my friends, I'm telling you now, God supplied rivers in the desert. And something, and I've got to be careful how I communicate this, but something, let me, let me say something else first. My father cannot stop being a loving father. Why? Because that's just who he is. That's who he is. He can't stop loving because he is love. So therefore, everything he does is loving. Why? Because he is love, right? Uh, and so, so everything he does in my life is motivated and comes out of a core of having first loved me enough to allow this. He always has a purpose if I'm looking for the purpose. If I'm looking for the river, it's in the desert. And last year birthed something in my life that I'll be grateful for for the rest of my life. But it was pretty tough in the middle of it. But in the middle of that, something was birthed inside of me. There's rivers in the desert. There's rivers in the desert. Not a trickle, but rivers. All of what I've said this morning actually depends on Isaiah 43, verse 18. The whole pivot of everything I've said, and as I look through that veil, I see the next four or five or six years, in the uh, 10 years, 20 years, in the life of this church and the ministries that develop in this church and the expansion of this church and the, and the other locations of this church and the nations that will be touched by the life of this church. Uh, 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 I'm not exaggerating. I, I'm actually incredibly excited about the, the, the future of this local church. But God knew that 10 years ago. God knew it five years ago. God knew it three years ago. And you see, friends, he's been preparing a people that are able to carry that. And I want to say that it all depends on verse 18 where he said, do not remember the former things. Do not even consider the things of old. What does that mean? It means cut them loose. 
And I want to say that God is birthing a new era in the life of this church and therefore for each one of you in particular. But the key, the key, the key, the key is to cut yesterday loose. You've got to cut yesterday loose. But I remember, cut it loose. But if only, cut it loose. But you don't know, cut it loose. You, you, you cannot have it back. But you can determine what it does to you. It either becomes a learning process for you, which you carry into the fruitfulness of tomorrow, or it becomes an anchor that drags you backwards. I want to now close or work towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. Um, with a couple of scriptures that I felt the Lord, and I actually put, not because of anything I've picked up since I've been here, it's in my notes, I got them before I left Melbourne, I felt the Lord say, if, if, if they will leave yesterday behind, and they will listen clearly over the next few weeks and months, the new era will be birthed, and here's my promise to them. So I want you to take these promises very, very personal as well as collective. Isaiah 55, 12 and 13 says this. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the Myrtle tree, for it shall be to the Lord for a name and an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Friends, instead of the thorn, the thing that pricks, the thing that, you know what a thorn is, that, that source of pain, that's going to be replaced by the cypress tree. And I looked that up, and in the time of its writing, the cypress tree was used as, and I quote, it was used for making lances for battle and musical instruments. And so that which had previously been a source of pain or discomfort was now the very thing that was giving them strength in battle and causing a celebration of praise. What an amazing promise and what an amazing exchange because people were willing to let go of yesterday and embrace tomorrow. Instead of the briar will come up the myrtle tree. And the briar, okay, stinging nettle, that which entwines and sucks life out of it, that's what discouragement does to people. Discouragement is like a briar. It wraps itself around people's hearts and drags them down and destroys the potential of God in them. Friends, don't, don't allow discouragement to get into your spirit. Throw it out for the unwanted enemy that it really is. Amen? Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And here's where it got really quite exciting because the word myrtle is the word hadassah in the Hebrew and it's exactly, exactly the same word translated Esther. It's exactly the same word. In fact, some translations of the Old Testament when they're talking about the book of Esther will call it hadassah. Okay, it's exactly the same word. And I, and I thought and I said, well, Lord, what, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? I said, what's the significance of this? Well, instead of, instead of the briar, that which has caused disappointment and discouragement, shall come up Hadassah, the myrtle, Esther. And I suddenly realized what the Lord was saying. Esther was the right person in the right place at the right time. And, and 
actually saved an entire nation and not only saved a nation, but brought in to a new era the people of God within that nation. The, the, the authority and the recognition that was given to the people of God because of her stand was extraordinary. It changed the entire history of Israel as a nation. She was the right person in the right place at the right time. And I want to say to you, those that have, of you that have stood loyally and strong over the last few years, I want to say something. You're the right person in the right place at the right time. And you are pregnant with the potential of tomorrow. My father has not been blind nor deaf. And he has seen those whose hearts have remained true. He's seen those who've kept their worship pure. He's seen those whose love and loyalty for their leadership has remained unshakable. He's seen them. And now, because of the winter, there comes forth the spring. And I want to declare it over you. And here's my final scripture. Uh, I'll let you go in a moment. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 10 to 13. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Come away. For lo, the winter is past. It's past. It's past. And if I actually didn't say another word, if I just come in this morning... And I declared this, I would have been a prophet indeed. Lo, the winter is past. It's finished. It's finished. It's over. The rain is over. It's gone. The flowers appear now on the earth, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. The fig tree puts forth its green figs, and vines with the tender grapes, giving a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. So I'm going to close with just a couple of thoughts on that. Spring time has come. Lo, the winter is over. But look at what it actually says. The voice of the turtle dove is heard again in the land. What is the turtle dove? Who is the turtle dove? Well, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him as a what? A turtle dove. And he's always been spoken of Scripture that way. And so what are we going to find over the next few months, over 2017? I want to tell you something. The voice of the turtle dove is heard again in the land. The Holy Spirit whispering dreams and passions and vision and clarity for the future. And I'm telling you what, revelation, insight, vision. 2017 is going to be so filled with revelation, insight and awakenings and fresh vision like you've never had it before. And the leadership of this house have never had it before. It's a time of birthing an entirely new era. And, I, and I'm not saying that to be nice. The, the fig tree, look at that, is bursting with new fruit. Well, what is the fig tree? It's a, a source of substance, provision, strength, life, health, vitality, and it's there for you. In its abundance, if you let go yesterday. And then it finally says, tender new grapes give off a sweet-smelling aroma. What's that? Sweet, 
smelling aroma. What's that? Well, that's the fragrance of the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God bringing freshness and fragrance on people's lives who have previously been battle-weary and spiritually fatigued, you know, and, and friends, you're meeting people and you're interacting with each other and suddenly there's fresh grapes. What does that mean? It means there's a bubbling over. There's a, there's a joy. There's a celebration. Lo, the winter is over. So begin to talk that way, begin to speak that way, begin to commune and fellowship with each other with anticipation. Either I am a false prophet and you should haul me down in the street and throw rocks at me or I'm telling you that you need to be speaking to each other. A new era is going to be birthed. Man alive, I'm telling you what, I'm getting so excited about 2017. Oh, are you? Yeah, me too, me too, me too. I accepted what that man said. I tell you what, I am going to believe for fresh new levels in my own personal life. I'm going to find, I'm believing for something fresh in my marriage. I'm believing for something fresh with my kids. I'm believing for something amazing to be birthed in my finances, my ministry, my vocation. Friends, it's time for spring. It's time for new growth. It's time for us to put us side yesterday and reach out with anticipation for tomorrow father we thank you lord father i thank you lord that this day is a day on your calendar a day father where you wanted to say these things you want to declare these things and father now in the name of the lovely lord jesus christ our king who is the conqueror he's absolute he has total dominion father i take authority right now over any spirit of discouragement or disillusionment or negativity of any description, Father, and I cancel it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now, you know, some of you out there have wonderful people of God, have maybe been touched by discouragement, and maybe it's in your personal life or your marriage or in some area that you can think of, and it's just been hard, it's been discouraging. But this is a new hour. And if that's you, I just want you to stand up and say, Father, I cut it loose. I'm having a new hour. I'm having a new day. I want you to know that I'm freshly available. Start speaking into me, Father. I'm, start, I, I'm coming alive again. I, I am awakening. I am hungry. I'm going to present myself. I'm going to present my marriage. I'm going to present my kids. I don't accept yesterday as being the final chapter. It's a new hour. It's a new day. And I'm hungry. Father, birth in me. Birth in me, birth in me, find time, get aside over the next few weeks or months and say, God, create, the, give me the time to just hunger for you, anticipate, uh, Father, listening to your voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cancel the power of the past. We declare the potential of tomorrow. And thank you, Father, for that which is your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.